I think that will be something that when the history books get written, we will be remembered as the generation that did the worst uh, to children ever. Uh, it wasn't enough. It wasn't simply enough uh, to have to advocate for, um, you know, abortion all the way up to life. Right. That wasn't enough. No. Uh, what we wanted to do is uh, allow kids to uh, mutilate themselves uh, with exactly zero life experience, zero knowledge of human sexuality. Uh, and on top of that, to boot, uh, we're going to hide it from their parents, right? Uh, when parents drop their kids off for, I don't know, six, seven, eight hours a day with these people, they never in a million years dream that they're dropping them off with monsters. Uh, they drop, they think they're dropping them off with people who are absolutely committed in their soul to protecting them. Uh, they never would dream uh, that they're dropping them off uh, for people who are going to indoctrinate them to values or virtues that are absolutely antithetical uh, to what they are wanting their children to carry on as their legacy, as, as their, which is to say the parents' legacy within the children. Um, and I think that that's going to be remembered, uh, again, as one of the greatest monstrosities that humans have ever done to their own children uh, in the history of man. Welcome to The Furrowed Brow with Jeffrey Kipler. If you're enjoying the furrowed brow, please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you really like it, consider a donation through Patreon. I'm a one-man show. I really enjoy making this. All of the support is greatly appreciated. And you know, the more support I can get, the more podcasts and time I, I can make and time I can carve out for this. So thanks a lot and hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, let's, let's just get this going then. I got a little intro for you here. Right. Uh, today's guest goes by Athenian Stranger. He's an avid weightlifter, student of history and philosophy, and commentator on the modern zeitgeist. I became familiar with Athenian through Athen through uh, through Twitter. I became familiar with Athenian through Twitter and his commentary on spaces. He's got a Telegram board, underground university where he posts his thoughts and readings, and is working on a website. He has a voice that will resonate with this audience. Athenian, welcome to the Furrowed Brow. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. Really honored to be here. appreciate this. So let me start off by asking you a little bit, because like, really, I only know you from your how you think and how you speak, and you're one of the more articulate, measured people I've ever uh, had the, the pleasure of listening to on Spaces. Um, are you formally that. trained? Um. So uh, I, I do have, uh, I completed the highest levels of education, uh, and then, uh, the world went crazy. So, <laughs> so okay. What, what do you mean by the world went crazy? <laughs> well, just the way in which the left has taken over everything. Uh, you, you can't, you can't be involved in academia if you want to be intellectually honest anymore. Um, I mean, it's been this way for a long time, but once 2016 happened, especially with Trump being yeah. elected, uh, and you just saw the way that everyone went crazy. Um, most people have no idea how left academia already is. I mean, they're used to hearing things like, you know, the indoctrination universities and things like that. Uh, but it's so much worse than people could imagine. Uh, so I just, and I've, I've always been uh, over on the right here like this. And so I was never too much of a good fit 
in academia anyway. And plus, uh, I don't, I don't like to be dishonest about my, my own principles and opinions on things when they enter the realm of politics. Uh, and so it's just, I've, I've always just been a kind of, I don't know if I want to say a black sheep or just an outcast or just, it's just a weird fit, uh, me in in traditional academia. So I just, I do a lot better, um, here like on Twitter uh, and and with people that, you know, you can just be honest with because you can't be honest uh, in, uh, in academia and all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah. I mean, I was still, I would say a leftist of, to, to a, a, a greater than lesser degree, probably when Trump got elected, you know, I, I, I thought both Hillary and Trump were abhorrent, but I, you know, uh, I, but I, and I, but I believed the stuff like Russia Gate, you know, all of the the Michael Steele memos. I was like, oh, there's there's probably merit for this. He's probably in Putin's pocket, you know. And then come to find out, you know, as time went on, that oh, okay, this stuff was made up, right? Like, oh, okay, the Michael Steele was bought off by the, the Clinton campaign. They used that stuff to to lie to FISA uh, to to get warrants to spy on a. Uh, a presidential candidate, which is I'm reasonably sure without precedent, and it's like nobody seemed to update their priors based upon this stuff. Like, wait, what, what's right, going right, on here, right. right? Like, and that to me was the like, among other things, was the insane part. Like, people weren't seeing that the, the state was being used in such a massive capacity to go after a duly elected president of the United States. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is that's a that's a a kind of a micro view of what what I run across in in philosophy all the time, uh, and, and I think it's always been like this. Is what happens is that um, where people like you and I we see that stuff and we're like, well, okay, wait a minute, uh, I need to go back and reassess, uh, you know, my prior ideas on this. Um, but what happens in the study of philosophy uh, is that, and it's just because this is how most people are by nature, uh, people just become too invested in their own opinions. Uh, human pride is, is a powerful drug, and most people would rather ride out uh, the wave of criticism of being called a hypocrite rather than ever even admit uh, that they were wrong or anything like that because they're just too invested in things. They close their mind. Uh, and they would just as soon block you or disown you or something like that and never have to deal with you than, than account for the fact that they had, uh, they were wrong about things. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. So let me ask you, what are you trying to do? Did I accurately in my introduction describe your, your work well enough? Did I miss anything? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think you nailed it. Um, I, I came to Twitter roughly 20, let's see. December of 2020, January, 2021. And, um, originally, uh, you know, I didn't know anyone here. I was just a tiny little account. And I just, what I had wanted to do was just provide academic resources. That's all I wanted to do and just share knowledge. And, uh, I, I, <laughs> I had already uh, had issues on other social media because, uh, you know, I'd, starting I was I had begun to be more outspoken and say look this is insane what these students are going around saying yeah. uh, it's insane what uh, most people are running around believing um, but that you know I was and, and so I was very angry about all that 
but being angry about these things gets you nowhere. Um, yeah. And except, you know, I, I watched my followers on it on different social media just dwindle down to nothing uh, because I, w- I would I was so mad about stuff. I was like, I was like, what the fuck is going wrong with people? Uh, and so, you know, you just lose all your followers and, and then, then I get, you know, you get booted because, you know, you finally say, you know, you, well, whatever, <laughs> when you tell someone what you really want them to go do, right. uh, you know, with their stupid ass opinions. Uh, and so I came to Twitter and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be political. Um, I'm just going to provide content. Um, but you know, everything is political. Uh, yeah. philosophy is political, right? Because I mean, when you're talking about the nature of truth, that has political consequences. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to cross paths with a few just legends uh, in the orbit. And they helped me uh, in ways that I would never have been able to accomplish anything I've done on my own. Uh, so there was that kind of chance happenstance there. And next thing you knew, uh, my account started getting bigger, uh, but I never changed my mission. My mission was always to just provide as much free academic resources to people who were like-minded uh, and just wanted to to see, uh, to, to learn, right? They wanted to learn. Uh, and so the that's the motivation behind the Underground University website. Uh, it's, it's just a place to go to find templates for reading the great books, uh, which are the best editions of them, right? What are the best translations? What's the order I should read them in? Uh, all that kind of stuff is there. Uh, have a sub stack there, just a tiny little sub stack. Uh, and then with the Telegram, what I have is a, is a very convenient way to share anonymously and very free uh, various rare PDFs uh, to other people so they don't have to bother with, you know, uh, once you're out of the university, um, it's very difficult to obtain uh, journal essays and things like that because the universities have a lock on all these things, right? You know, yeah. how do you gain access to them? And if you try to buy them individually, I mean, you're looking sometimes at, at easily uh, $40 per essay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what I do is I share all that stuff for free there uh, on Telegram. Uh, so people have access to all these things. Uh, and I'm just about to launch a new website where I have... Um, because, uh, let me be perfectly clear, underground university is not to be taken as anything political. I keep it as absolutely neutral as possible so that everyone can go there. Um, now with the website I'm about to launch with my, my spaces and things, uh, archived all my spaces. I've got a great group of guys, uh, that are working with me on Twitter, or I should really say I'm working with them. Uh, and we're putting together this wonderful little community uh, and these are the kind of guys who all, uh, like me, they've been educated to the absolute highest way you can go, uh, PhD level, et cetera. Um, and in many cases, uh, outright professors. Um, and we provide, uh, introductory spaces, uh, advanced spaces, uh, on all kinds of topics. And I'm putting that all together on the website, uh, that I'll launch soon, uh, hopefully within the next week at most two weeks, but that's really what my mission is there, um, is myself and a, and a small group of my friends, we provide free uh, academic resources to people who just want to learn. Uh, now that being said, uh, we are very much of the right. Um, I, w- I w- probably most people would consider me of the far right. 
uh, you know, whatever that means anymore, because <laughs> being, being for anything doesn't really mean anything anymore. Um, and so, of course, we like to have a little fun in our spaces. Uh, we like to have a little fun trolling uh, these kinds of things, but, uh, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, that's the, we're, we're there to, to provide a kind of a light, uh, in the darkness of all that's happened in academia. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I mean, when, did you observe when like Brett Weinstein and I think it's Evergreen University, all of that stuff went down and Jordan Peterson and the issues that he had? I mean, I'm familiar with those things to an extent. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not too familiar with them because I'm just not that impressed with them as thinkers. <laughs> no. okay. uh, they're, they're these public intellectuals that really think very highly of themselves. Um, uh, apparently, they've done some good along the way. Uh, I think I remember listening to a few of Jordan Peterson's YouTube clips and thinking that you know oh, this is pretty good. Uh, but then you know, if you really start attending to all the details, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not really sure. I'm not. I don't know if these are good guys or not. I'm not really sure they're, uh, you know, fundamentally of the same uh, principles uh, as I am about a lot of this stuff. Uh, Peterson especially loves to attack the Anons. Uh, Weinstein, I think, is just a flat-out liar on many things uh, about things. Peterson definitely has uh, – it's one of the stranger things in his entire repertoire I found is that attacking of the Anonymous – folks it's like it's it's one of his more divisive uh things that he's done that makes him a target with, for people that otherwise might be naturally allies for him yeah i just don't understand it man and he's he's yeah. he's doubled and tripled and whatever down on it now yeah. so much that he's really done more damage than any good at this point that he's ever he would he ever did before it's been it's been rough seeing it but uh i don't know i mean i know some people who who knew him before he went really uh, famous and they said he's always kind of been uh like that he's had that side to him that's not not pleasant at all so yeah it's i've i've definitely i've listened to a lot of his lectures i've listened to his entire biblical series i've listened to i think a lot of the ideas that i've 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 gotten for nietzsche and and various philosophers and whatnot i i got through listening to him so i really appreciate his um his kind of his lectures and whatnot and and in that kind of space his commentary on like mythology and psychology is pretty fascinating um i find some of his po his political stuff has gotten quite weird though it, it, many times um, yeah there's i mean there's there's no doubt that he he's a really good speaker uh it's very impressive listening to him speak the way that he can juggle uh complex ideas very eloquently uh that that's impressive and that's certainly certainly something to aspire to um and yeah, I've uh, I've listened to some of his uh, some of his series on uh, on YouTube and stuff. A lot of those uh, courses, uh, and and it can be fun. It can be fun. Uh, he's he he gets a he gets a few very important points about philosophy wrong. I remember listening to one he did on Nietzsche, uh, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, wait a minute, that's that's not exactly correct. I think it was the the concept of the shadow that he got wrong. Oh, you Jungian shadows and whatnot. He does a lot on that, right? Yeah, I think he might have been mixing up Jung and Nietzsche at one point. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, that's not the shadow in Nietzsche. That might be the shadow in someone else, but that's not the shadow in Nietzsche. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are on a little bit of a different level with being able to pick apart the details. Yeah, you know, I don't really begrudge uh, 
people when they get things wrong, because I mean, look, you know, life is only so long and, and all of us can only be experts in so much. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's not really any reason to necessarily bash people because they get a few things wrong. Uh, you can always appreciate, uh, you know, at least the things that they get right to. I've, I've had to learn that, of course, with my various critics on Twitter. Uh, the human nature is such that people just look for things to just blow you up about uh, and just completely trash you altogether. Uh, oh, my God. My, my, my most popular Twitter comment was something about, like, the last commie and... Uh in Japan being assassinated. And apparently I got the history slightly wrong. You know, everybody from the right loved it because, you know, it's thematically was popular. And then all of these guys were like, well, there's actually a ton of communists in Japan and he was a socialist. And I'm like, it it went on for a week, two weeks or something like that. That was happening. It was, it was, it was surreal to me because as a very small account, I do not have typically have like hundreds or thousands of people posting and commenting on my right computer. right right yeah that's funny i, I one time uh someone was criticizing me or something as is not knowing what i was talking about and i responded back uh with the equal amount of attack but i had a typo in it of course uh, and you got to love those, right? When you're trying to defend yourself yeah. saying, you know, you're not dumb uh, and you have a typo in there. So yeah. oh, like, like, eh, whatever happens to everyone. So, yep. <laughs> you know, I, I have also made typos in those situations on purpose just to get, you know, just to make them dance a little. Yeah. 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 That's great. So here, all right, back to, back to the question list here, Athenian. I mean, so, what has been sort of a notable change in your own personal philosophical outlook, you know, that you've had, I, I don't, I don't know how old you are, nor do I ask, but you know, in the past 10, 15 years, something like that. And how did it come about? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, we don't even have to go back that far, uh, mm. just within the last three years or so. Um, I would have to say, Oh my God, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sort of drawing a blanket where to even begin because I've had so many, I've learned so many things from a number of my mutuals on Twitter uh, that I never would have guessed. Um, I, I would say probably at least related to my own content, uh, the biggest change of thought that I've had is that um, the great books aren't necessarily for everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. When I... I would love to see education reformed. Uh, And, you know, my area of expertise is philosophy, which is uh, centered around great books, reading great books, especially uh, with the idea that we still have much to learn from those. We haven't necessarily progressed or anything just because we have better technology. Uh, And so when I was right out of graduate school, uh, I thought the best thing in the world would be to uh, help with some of these charter school initiatives that are specializing in the great books um, cause I thought it would be so great, right? Like I, I look back in my own life and I'm like, man, if I had just been reading a lot of these earlier, uh, yeah. I'd be so much further. Uh, but what I found is that that has disastrous consequences, uh, because uh, it's always easy for us to look back and say, it's sort of, it's the counterfactual imagination, right? We look back and say, man, it would have been so great. Uh, but then you, then you see what's happening with a lot of these young kids who are reading those books. Uh, and you know, when you have uh, uh, this, the, the thing about the youth is that uh, it, what makes them great, but what also makes them very dangerous 
uh, is that they're very spirited, right? They still have that, that zeal for life. They want to be a part of something larger than themselves, which is great. Uh, but if you educate them in things where they've been reading Plato, uh, Dostoevsky, these kinds of things, um, then they get used to thinking that they already have answers to like the fundamental questions uh, and they take that with them into their activism that's everywhere now. And so they become very closed minded very quickly. Uh, and so I think a much better approach is not necessarily reading great books uh, at the secondary level, but reading good books. Right. Uh, I think that would probably be a lot better. <laughs> uh, and so that would that would be the largest one. I know it sounds it doesn't it doesn't sound very sexy uh, when you say it, but uh, but it would it would absolutely revolutionize uh secondary education, especially, uh, with a lot of the charter schools and private schools. And, um, and what are the good books? Uh, you know, this is going to be things like, uh, Orson Welles, right. Um, let's see, uh, Aldous Huxley, uh, mm, these people, yeah. uh, not necessarily the kind of stuff like a, like a, like a Plato or Dostoevsky where they're, yeah. they're literally wrestling with belief or disbelief in the divine. Um, that's very dangerous because uh, young young people are already looking for reasons not to believe or to justify uh, whatever sexual inclinations or what have you that they already have. So uh, so leave leave those uh, for college, right? Let them let them deal with that at college, uh, and and quite frankly, with better qualified professors, uh, at least used to be, um, because I'm, uh, that's another thing I found is that most of the secondary teachers that teach these great books they're not even qualified to teach them, and I. I don't say that in, in any kind of with any kind of personal uh, animus or anything, but I mean it's just you know you, you don't ask um, you don't ask someone to build you something if they don't have the proper qualifications, right? With engineering or something like that. Um, and the same thing with education, you don't necessarily want people teaching uh, these great books of philosophy when they don't really understand philosophy or anything. Um, but 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 that let's set that aside because that's not very sexy. That's that doesn't draw the attention or anything. Uh, the I mean the race question or something like that would probably be better. I mean without without you know going to extreme or anything like that. I would certainly say that uh, ever since like 2016 and then going into like especially 2020 with George Floyd, um, I, I would definitely say that my my thoughts on all of that have been very much galvanized because I think that, you know, unless and until we see people, um, as they like to be referred to as people of color, uh, unless and until we see them speaking out about all this insanity, uh, then I'm perfectly fine with going along with what they have to say uh, about what, or at least what their most vocal people have to say and what the, the white leftists say is, uh, you know, they want uh, all kinds of reparations and stuff. And so if they're going to continue down that road without uh, people of color speaking out against it, then I'll say, okay, I want reparations uh, for having to deal with all your nonsense, uh, the way you're burning down cities and things like that. I want reparations for all that, uh, the way you ruin inner city schools, uh, the way you ruin all kinds of stuff. So give me reparations. Uh, and if I can't have them, then separate from me the way you guys want to separate from us. <laughs> so... So that that would probably be considered by most in the audience, uh, I guess, a big deal or something like that. So, although I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's quite obvious. But you know, well, just... I, 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 I mean, gosh, when when the 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 city started burning, when you had Minneapolis was like on fire, 
and you had that you know that classic meme of on fox news that says fiery but mostly peaceful protests it's like what is going on here it it, it, it i mean i was in seattle and it was we could see smoke from downtown there, you know there were cop cars uh, you know, sirens blaring people marching in the streets all of the 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 shops were boarded up afterwards tons of people went out of business and this was what this was during covid i, th I think if i remember correctly and it, and it was it was absolutely insane to me yeah that that there that there was not the political leadership to say this is out of freaking control like this is this is wrong um the absolute silence from uh, from a huge swath of the the, the political leadership is that, and it's still going on, really, right? Like it's still you're still having lootings of these stores where the store and just, just theft in general in Portland, and yeah. uh, you know they're closing down major box stores, Walmart's leaving uh, because you have a number of prosecutors that just refuse to use the force of the state use the justice system to stop the behavior yeah That's i mean they're I'm using saying. the they're using the justice system to to deliberately make it worse uh, i would argue um and, and you're it, right it sort of seems like that yeah it, I mean, you know and, and it's and it's strange credulity to like imagine that it's you know being done on purpose but it sure seems to be yeah i mean it, it's one of those what are the, the kind of the crossing of the rubicon moment where you have to ask yourself uh look um, I personally never give credit uh, to to things that can just as easily be explained by incompetence. Uh, but yeah. the level of incompetence that we're seeing is so enormous. You have to think to yourself, this is deliberate. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess I would say another thing too, uh, another big uh, shift, I guess, in my own thought um, would be, for instance, like the homelessness. Uh, yeah. I, I used to... Uh, look, where I live, there are enormous amounts of homeless people, and I see them every day uh, at the gas stations and also like at my gym uh, because and, and it's terrible, right? Uh, and I feel very, very bad for these people, but uh, it is so bad that you have to ask yourself, everyone should ask themselves, um, we are, we tend to default by being bleeding hearts and wanting so desperately to, you know, give them like a handout, like a $5 here or something like that. Um, when, when now uh, with this explosion that, well, it's maybe not even an explosion. Maybe we're just only seeing it now because of COVID, right? Because everyone was wondering, you know, where did the homeless people go that were in the uh, subways and things like that. And it turns out they were, they were setting them all up in hotels and things. Um, you know, people really need to ask themselves what good, does it really do to be someone else's shoulder for them to cry on, right? If they're not going to be better in themselves. Uh, and I, I think that that's, that's going to be something that certainly like, you know, as you were saying, uh, like in Seattle, uh, certainly in Los Angeles. Uh, and I mean, all, all of these major cities, it's really all of them, really. Uh, people just have to ask themselves, you know, what we have been doing is obviously not working. It's not even remotely yeah. working. Uh, so cease and desist. Uh, everything tried up to this point and let's have some new ideas uh, on the board uh, and don't let any of those new ideas include this kind of bleeding heart sympathy uh, because uh, our country needs to exhibit what would otherwise be called tough love 
that's the only thing that's going to get us through all of the various. Look, any single one of these problems that we're dealing with right now, in and of itself, would be a national crisis. Uh, yeah. All of them together. Uh, well, that's how you. That's how a nation uh, gets destroyed within a span of just a couple years, uh, very easily, very easily. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would sort of add that one to the list. Yeah, I mean, that's that. That that is. It rings home with me loudly. Uh, the it's, and you 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 have these cities, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Portland, Seattle, I mean, they're the ones that I'm, I'm most familiar with being on the West Coast, and you have massive amounts of funds and support. And I and I've that go that go to these, uh, go to these populations. And, and what you've, what seems to be happening is that if you think about the, the populations like, uh, you know, pigeons, what, what, whatnot, right, you start feeding the pigeons, and what happens, you get more pigeons. And you, and there's, there's, the, as you were saying, that that shoulder to lean on, um, it, it, it's not, it, you know, to to go back to the, to, good old Jesus. It's like you're not teaching a man to fit, you know, you, you're not, you, you're just providing handouts, and you're not teaching the man to fish. Like you, you need to, there has to be, um, a a commitment to stop being like you're being in order to be deserving of that forgiveness and that help. Yeah. You know, we can, we can phrase this in a way that sort of goes back to Jordan Peterson with the anonymity and things. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a guy from Princeton uh, who also takes a hard line like he does and calls anonymous people cowards and stuff. And of course right. uh, in his, in his, uh, if you go to the main, the main part of his account, his banner profile picture is uh, him hugging Cornell West uh, while bragging about being uncancelable. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. so you're hugging, uh, you're publicly hugging the left's favorite Negro, uh, bragging that you yourself are not cancelable. Um, okay, so I don't believe you. Um, but the thing about all of these problems and, and what we would otherwise call tough love is that you have to, you have to remove the incentives, all of the incentives that would otherwise lessen the blow, right? Yes. Um, so people need to know that if they're going to go down that road, it's going to be absolutely as bad as you could possibly imagine. Um, and to relate this sort of to the Peterson thing uh, with anonymity, uh, that's nothing more than what the left is doing with this so-called cancel culture, right? That's why, you know, for instance, why I'm anonymous and things like that. Uh, what do they do to people who uh, are anonymous, but want to speak their own political opinions? Uh, well, they would, happily celebrate them losing everything, literally everything. They would happily celebrate them losing their home, losing their job, losing the ability to put food on the table of their kids. Uh, and I mean, look, they would, they would happily celebrate their deaths. We've seen this. We've literally yeah. seen this on Twitter. They happily celebrate when people of different political opinion die. And so uh, I think, and, and so it's really just taking a page from their own playbook. Uh, the, the people on the left who would be in such shock uh, of how I would describe tough love, uh, they're so they're so moronic that they wouldn't even realize that that's exactly what they're doing uh, with this whole thing of cancel culture of theirs. So, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not a firm. I don't believe in this, this nonsense of proportional response. Uh, if someone strikes you, uh, 
uh, you strike back with everything you've got so that they never even think about striking you again. Uh, yeah. And that's exactly what they're doing with cancel culture. So I would love to see that kind of that kind of attitude taken towards a lot of these problems, for instance, like the immigration, the fact that we don't have a southern border, uh, you know, same thing with uh, a kind of z- absolutely zero tolerance with uh, activism and academia. Uh, I mean, these problems can all be solved. It's just that people have to simply have the the will, the the resolve to want to solve them, right? They have to unknot their stomachs uh, to yeah. the fact that there's that solving them is not going to be pleasant. In fact, it's going to be extremely unpleasant. Uh, and most people just can't get past that extremely unpleasant because right. yeah. we've lived in such a prosperous society for so long uh, that we honestly believe that there are solutions that are not uh, unpleasant. So. And I have dinner conversations, you know, with friends about things like this. And that's exactly the point that I make is that you have to have a situation where people understand the world is going to be terrible if you go down these roads. If you come across the border, there's not going to be free phones and food and, and whatnot. If you decide to live in a tent, like terrible things yeah you're you're you might run out of food like you these these it will not be comfortable like and and if and if that doesn't happen it's it's completely obvious that people will simply choose to live off of the handouts that they have from the bleeding hearts of people who just keep giving them things and subsidizing the degenerate lifestyles that they're living um, you know, I, I, I saw a recent news report about that something like 30, 40% of all shoplifting in New York City was attributable within a calendar year or something like that to like three, 400 individuals who each were arrested like 20 times and let out because it was just shoplifting. It's like, how in the... And, and you know, if they're, if they've gotten 20 times, they're doing 10 X that, you know, one of the things that I like to say, uh, and a, and a mutual of mine, who's really, really thoughtful guy, uh, in, in South Africa, um, oh. what, what he says is, uh, he says, you know, um, what the West in general, but America in particular, uh, don't realize you always, and we hear this all the time, we hear people saying, it just can't get any worse, right? It just can't get any worse. worse. And what he said is he goes, that kind of mentality uh, has never been outside of its own country. Uh, because he says, he says, uh, come to South, come to South Africa, uh, you'll find out real, real quickly, uh, that most people have no idea how bad it can get. Uh, if you want to find out how bad it can get, then just stay on that same road you're on by saying that it can't get any worse. Uh, because I can assure you uh, that saying that it can't get any worse will, in fact, lead to cannibalism down the road uh, when food supplies run out, uh, when the entire country is is in obvious uh, anarchy. Uh, and I think he's right. Uh, and and I, I I get very angry when a lot of my uh when a lot of when I hear a lot of people on the right, the so-called normies, when they say things like it can't get any worse or, you know, it's something has to change. It's like, well, OK, uh, that's the problem right there. You're the problem by thinking that uh, you need to realize that it can, in fact, get so much worse that every single thing you love will be gone. Right. Gone. Yeah. Uh, and until people get that through their heads, 
uh, we're going to continue down into this uh, this free fall spiral here. And and I don't so much mind, you know, the people who don't want to think about what needs to be done and not take part in things. And, and it's, but it's also get out of the way. It's it's stop like let the adults deal with this um, because we the 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 lunatics have been running the insane asylum for too long and. If, if you don't have the stomach for it and you don't want to hear about it, well, then, you know, stay inside. It's, but, it's, <laughs> it, 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 and until that occurs, it, it's like, it, this is another thing that Peterson clued me on with into like the Gulag Archipelago and what happened in communist Russia, where it did become that bad. You, you had even, even the supporters of the regime, you know, uh, true believers in the communist party, or shift off to gulags in conditions that I don't, I don't think any, I, I can't, you know, beyond words, how terrible those things were. Um, yeah. You know, that, and that's the great danger is that uh, all of these solutions or these recognitions of, of the problem are right there for us in these great books, right? Just like with gulag archipelago, uh, and I mean, any number of his books, uh, Solzhenitsyn, that is, um, same thing with Dostoevsky, uh, these things are there for us to learn from. Uh, the problem is we're not learning from them, right? We, uh, people just sort of, you know, they might own the book, uh, let it sit on their shelf, uh, you know, and occasionally when they don't want to binge watch Netflix on their comfortable couch, they might flip it open and read it and be like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's, that's pretty frightening. Uh, and you know, that gets back to sort of my whole point about how it is that the great books, um, if you take them with the seriousness that they deserve, uh, they can, in fact, and they should be absolutely revolutionary in your life, uh, because these people are not making this up, uh, and to the extent that these, some of these things are fiction, it's based upon real history and history yeah. that's not very old, right? It's, I mean, it's just right, it's just right behind us. Uh, and we have so very much to learn from this. And yet, uh, that's the problem. And, and, and I'm like you, I completely understand, uh, the people who have, you know, so much to lose, right. Uh, they might, uh, you know, be in a position where if they speak out, you know, they lose their, their job and then with they lose their job, they've got kids that'll suffer or wife. All right. Uh, and so it's easy for me as, you know, a guy who's not married and doesn't have kids, uh, to talk yeah. about these kinds of things that need to be done. Uh, but at the same time, it goes back to what you just said. Um, no, no reason to begrudge them. Uh, they just need to get out of the way. Right. Uh, which in many cases means, uh, keep your, keep your fucking mouth shut. Uh, you know, if you're going to be voicing your stupid ass opinions on Twitter or something like that, right. Uh, support the people who are doing the, the, the requisite fighting, right. Just support us. Uh, and just, you know, let that be it. Right. Yeah, I mean, even you know, I'm I'm not anonymous, and it does even this conversation. I think about it, it's it's like it's it does make me slightly concerned. I I don't know how else to be though. It's 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 one of those things where it's like somebody if I'm not saying something about this, I feel complicit. I feel like you know I am not speaking the truth. And Dostoevsky, I believe, addresses you know that quite well. That if you live in the world of lies, then you know you're going to it's going to come after you eventually. Yeah, I mean, but that's a good thing, though, right? Because I mean, that's in in many respects, that's you know someone's conscience having the required effect upon them, right? 
uh, to feel bad that, you know, they're, they're not doing something. Uh, and there's, there's certainly always something that can be done. So for instance, like even in a situation uh, of someone who has so much to lose, uh, you know, that they don't want to risk speaking out, uh, well, okay, uh, take a more active involvement uh, in the education that your kids are getting, right? Uh, make sure that, you know, whatever school they're involved in is not uh, indoctrinating them, which is probably going to be the case. Uh, I mean, there's, there's always something that can be done, right? There's always yeah. something that can be done, uh, uh, you know, a particularly toxic relationship to get out of, uh, getting into shape, getting into better shape. Uh, all of these things are ways in which people can take the chaos that's going on around them and re-harness that, refocus that uh, to be more productive uh, as opposed to, you know, whatever they might be doing, which is to say possibly going insane uh, because, you know, we watch the news, right? I mean, you watch the news and you will go insane, especially if you don't feel like that you have any control over it. Uh, and the point is that you can gain control over it uh, in the various aspects of your life that you want to benefit, right? Just channel that anger, channel that frustration uh, and, and and go forth, right? That's That's the thing. All right. How do you think the loss of these educational institutions, and I know this is a big question for you, uh, contributes to the decline of society and what steps can we take to prevent this from happening? Just notice how large your shoulders are. You're a lifting man. <laughs> I appreciate I'm, that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really, <laughs> but I do jujitsu and I'm like, I'm, I'm like 6'1", 240. So yeah, there you go. I'm, not, I'm not that fat. I'm a little fat, but... <laughs> No, that's that's cool. Uh, no, that's that's a great question. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, it it's everything. Um, there's a reason why we say that the the kids are our future because they literally are. Um, and what most people don't understand is that it doesn't take many years. This we're not talking decades. It doesn't take many years to lose an entire country because you've lost control of the education. Uh, that goes back to my my handle on Twitter, right? Athenian Stranger. Uh, in Plato's longest dialogue, The Laws, that's the primary character, the primary interlocutor. And the principal argument that he makes throughout the longest dialogue of Plato is that uh, if you lose the institutions of education, you've lost your country. Uh, yeah. You can still call it a constitutional republic. You can call it anything you want. But the way it's actually working and operating is exactly what's going on in the institutions of education. And uh, one way that's helpful to think of it is consider a third grader or a fourth grader at this point right now. In the last three to four years, all of this insanity, they've been raised to think it's normal, which is yeah. to say the masks, the transgender bathrooms, all of that kind of stuff. And let's not fool ourselves. Uh, if there is just one transgender bathroom in a school, that's all it takes to make it to where uh, no one is allowed to criticize it. In fact, just the opposite. They're supposed to understand that it's normal, that it's okay, right? Okay, so that's a, that, that's a generation that's lost. And generations happen very quickly. Uh, so for instance, uh, when someone goes from elementary to middle school, right? That's from fifth grade to sixth grade. When someone goes from uh, middle school to high school, eighth grade to ninth grade, when someone goes from high school to college, right? Uh, all of these things are happening simultaneously. 
Uh, and so as those things are occurring, those are literally generations that, that, are, that are passing before us. And they've been living through all of this. And for them, they've already been trained to think that it's normal. Uh, now, we can hope that their parents uh, have uh, corrected for that, uh, but doubtful, right? Very doubtful. Um, and so that's, that's the amazing influence, the frightening influence that uh, the demise of education has had upon all of this. Uh, if you want to see the most insane activists, simply look at your, whatever your local high school is. Just, just look to see what the high school students are doing. Uh, you know, it's, it's not even in, it used to be the case that people were worried that they'd send their high school kids off to college and some crackpot professor would send them back home full of, with a head full of these insane ideas. Uh, now what's happening is that the students are so indoctrinated by their high school teachers that they're going off to college demanding more, right? Demanding more. And yeah. so that's, that's how uh, amazingly uh, inverted and insane all of this has become uh, just over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, I've I have a nine month old daughter now, so about that time of month, um, to start calling her nine months. And it it one of the few things that truly worries me is the idea that I I would like to homeschool her, but I don't know if that's going to be a possibility or not. Is that she is going to get ideas in her head uh, that and, and and end up not liking me, right? It's uh, and. It's, it, it, I don't know how I would deal with that because it's on the one hand, it's like you want to have a good relationship with your daughter. On the other hand, you have to speak the truth and like you don't, it's like how do you counteract the fact that you have a body of people that she's spending six, seven, eight hours a day with, possibly more time than she spends with me in turn, who influence her behavior. Because I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the ideas of Rene Girard in terms of like the mimetic desire and that children are the, the, the are the people who are most copying of at any stage of their life. And that, you know, the people that you have children around are the most important people uh, for their development of character and, and how they're going to behave and who they're going to model themselves after. So this idea of sending my kids off to uh, mimic people who have absolutely insane ideas is just an anathema to me. Yeah, that's one of my one of my favorite lines in Aristotle's Poetics is uh, where he says uh, that man is by nature the most imitative of all creatures, uh, and he says they do their first learning through imitation as children, right? Yeah. Um, that I take to simply be true and, and obviously true. Yeah. That's why it's so dangerous uh, when we see this stuff like the drag queen story hour and stuff like that. Um, but, but, but your larger concern is exactly correct. And this is something I've, I've witnessed. I can't even tell you how many times uh, you now have uh, through the influence of teachers upon their students uh, who are in secondary school, like uh, elementary, middle and high school, uh, they're telling their own parents you can't say that that's racist. Yeah. Uh, I, I have personally witnessed dozens on dozens of occasions, children telling their accusing their own parents of being racist because of whatever it is that they're saying. Uh, and the thing about it is that as the adults, they don't really see it as that big of a deal. They're like, ah, you know, I mean, it's just a teenager or something. I mean, it's just, and wow. so they let it slide. They let it, they let it go. 
they don't even realize that that same mentality that's accusing their own parents of being a racist or a bigot or homophobe or whatever, uh, that same mentality is also being, uh, as I like to say, farted out uh, all over social media by these kids yeah. underneath the roofs that the parents are paying for, uh, through the devices that the parents are paying for. Um, and, I mean, I, I like to use a reference from Homer. Uh, I call it the Cyclopean household. Uh, the Cyclops and Homer, uh, they eat their own, they're cannibals. Uh, mm. And so what's happening is that the children are now uh, cannibalizing their own parents. Uh, and it's happening by way of the, the indoctrination of the teachers. Uh, and let's be perfectly clear. Uh, this is something that's just always true, even under the best circumstances. Uh, heroes have no glory at home, right? The people who know us the most don't really think that we're all that great. Uh, they see <laughs> us, right? They see us fart. Uh, they Sorry, see us burp. Uh, they see us, uh, you know, naked or whatnot. Uh, they know all the bad things about us. Uh, but yet when it comes to, for instance, you know, that cool teacher at school, they really want to impress that one, right? Uh, and so it's very difficult for, um, for parents to compete with that. Uh, now, uh, that's another hobby of mine is uh, being getting much more involved in the education of fathers and sons uh, by reading their great books and stuff. That'll be a whole section on the, on my, my forthcoming website uh, because that can be corrected. You absolutely can be a hero to your to your children. Absolutely. The problem is that uh, we have a crisis of manliness and fatherhood uh, in America, certainly in the West more generally. Um, but but that's that's the thing. So yeah. what would you say, what would you say to people? Cause I, I, I've heard this before. I've said it before, but the criticism of that comment is, can be, Hey, you know, anytime in history that you look back, people are saying that the men aren't real men anymore. How, how do you know now is different than those historical? I mean, I think I saw an example of Julius Caesar was talking about like the, when Julius was coming up, like the, his, his uh the, the elders were commenting that they were uh, wearing too floppish of of robes or what have you yeah yeah that goes back to what i was saying earlier that uh, the youth are always spirited uh the youth always rebel right i mean this is yes. uh, i mean this is very very explicit uh even in plato's laws uh he he, he attributes it to the athenian stranger attributes it to a, a primordial madness uh, he says the whole reason that children cry and need to jump around and constantly demand change uh, is because the, the nature of the soul uh, is just naturally chaotic. Um, and this, there's a theme of this that runs through the great books throughout the tradition of, uh, so for instance, Maimonides refers to the flame of the youth. Uh, and so that's always going to be true, uh, that the youth are always going to be looking for reasons to rebel in some way or another. Uh, the the onus on parents is to make sure that their experience teaches them uh, that there is something of great value to be gained from the tradition, from the the way of life of of their fathers and their parents, right? Uh, and that's something I see sort of in my own life. Uh, so, for instance, when I look at the youth today, uh, they do stupid shit that I would never have done or said to my own parents, and I wasn't even a good kid. And so just from my own life experience, I would say, okay, uh, sure, you can point to other times and say, well, that's always been the case. 
but I'm telling you right now, these kids today are quite obviously manifestly uh, far more disrespectful uh, than, than just the generation of mine, right? Just my generation uh, before them, and I'm not that old. Uh, mm. So, and again, I, I don't consider myself to be exceptional in any way whatsoever. I mean, it's just sort of middle class, uh, you know, wasn't even very good uh, in school originally. Uh, and I was always getting into trouble. Uh, but there were things that not even I would do, right? <laughs> to say to my own parents uh, that these kids today just, I mean, they think absolutely nothing of it. Uh, and it, it's funny, right? Because, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's like the old Muppets, right? That sit up in the balcony and are just, you know, they're the old men and they're just clowning and mocking and everyone's so, ah, right? And so, you know, I think of like the younger generation looking up at me saying, you're just that old Muppet, uh, you know, that's, you know, complaining about everything. Uh, and again, this is when I just go back and I say, well, um, I mean, they can say that all they want. It's not an argument. Uh, it's just a slogan. Uh, the argument will always come out in my favor, I'm certain, uh, because they lack experience. They don't have the experience to match what they think is knowledge. Uh, I do have those things. Uh, I have the knowledge and the life experience to match up. That's in many ways, the experience is what informed uh, the knowledge, right? Uh, it's not some stupid shit that I read in a book uh, by, what is his name? Uh, Henry Rogers, right? Stage name, Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, that's, the, that's his real name is Henry Rogers, right? It's, uh, that's how much of a clown he is. Uh, so they write this crap in these books and you know they want to talk about all that. And I just say, well, that's fine. Uh, that you've farted that out in those books uh, and you're you know, a well-known author for it. Uh, it's not reality. It's not how the world works, uh, I can promise you. Uh, and so we have all these younger kids who really think that they know the way the world works. Uh, and you know, life's a bitch. Uh, it's going to teach them uh, one way or another. Um, so we'll see. And, and that's, that, that would be the response that I would say to that. I mean, there was, uh, I tweeted something about uh, how if people, if men would just take fatherhood far more seriously, we could solve so very many problems uh, that we're all facing today in this insanity. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, of course, I had people come out and say, well, you know, 80% uh, of divorces are from, you know, women want those. And I've just, I'm, I, I read that and I just think to myself, I'm like, look, uh, you can want to blame the women all you want, but that just makes you less of a man. Yeah. Uh, the fact is, uh, you're a goddamn man, okay? Uh, take control of your house, right? Take fucking control of your house, take control of your life and take responsibility for shit. Uh, I don't want to hear people pointing out uh, that it's, you know, women, this and women that. Uh, and I say that as someone who loves to dunk on the squad, right? Because we do currently right AOC and all those, uh, those worthless cunts. Uh, the, we do live under a gynocracy, right? I mean, let's be perfectly clear about that. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I argue about that is that, the gynocracy was only made possible through weak men. Uh, and that's why the focus should always be on stronger men, more manly men. That's, that's going to solve it. Raising good sons uh, who know what to look for uh, and a wife that they want to have the rest of their life with and have children with and things like that. That, that is how you fix the cycle of generations, right? Uh, with, with good men. Yeah. Every time, and I have to remind myself of the kind of things that you are saying 
you know, not infrequently, right. As a, as a married man, it's like, I want, you know, I, I want to blame my wife for certain things. And like, and I think, you know, sometimes I think to myself, oh gosh, if she would only blah, blah, blah. And then I think to myself, it's like, okay, I'm a man, I'm an adult, I'm responsible for outcomes. So no matter what happens, it's on me. Um, and, and the, that, and it reframes, and I, I really, in many ways, credit Jocko Willink from ser to searing this one in my head, where he has this book, Extreme Ownership, where he really talks about this. And it's, I mean, you know, and I think women can get a lot out of this too, but it's the idea of you are responsible for outcomes, no matter what happens. If you're truly a leader, if you're truly a person who should be looked at, and as we're putting in the frame that we're putting that as a man, like that, that is, that is what makes a man is, is to be able to get the results that are required um, and not blaming others along the way. Yeah. I mean, the way that I like to phrase it is this, um, and I don't know if this can even be taught. I think some people simply have it and some don't. Um, you just have to ask yourself, whatever it is that has happened, uh, did it happen on your watch? Right. Yeah. And if it happened on your watch, that's all that matters. Say, okay. Uh, I got to own this, right? Uh, I'm not going to pass the buck on this one. Uh, it happened on my watch. Uh, even if it's completely unfair or something like that, doesn't matter. Uh, own it and just do what needs to be done to ensure that it's not going to happen again. It's that simple. Uh, now I say it's that simple, but it's also extremely hard, right? Uh, because yes. that's the thing about time and life itself is that very often sort of going back to that very first question you asked me, right? What has been the biggest thing that you've changed your ideas on? Uh, what happens when the largest thing you've had to change your ideas on involves, for instance, the most personal intimate relationship that you might have with someone, right? Yes. Uh, and simply addressing it would be an enormous fight uh, or could possibly even threaten the relationship altogether. Uh, and most people would just rather avoid it and say, you know what, that's just how they're going to be. Um, and, and to that, I mean, on the one hand, I'm understanding, uh, but on the other hand, I see people who are living miserable lives, uh, people who are in unhappy marriages and they say they stay together just for the kids or whatnot. Um, but the, the fact is, look, uh, if it happened on your watch, do you want to fix it or not? Um, because if you don't, I mean, the one way I can guarantee that it won't get fixed is if you don't address it, right? I mean, it's just gonna, yeah. it, you know, it, it sets a precedence, right? Um, and, and very often that's how people are very manipulative in their own relationships. They're always trying to push the edge, push the edge. Uh, so if they can get away with a little bit more then you know, once they've gotten away with one, once, once you let someone get away with something once, the precedent has been set and they will do it again. <laughs> and in fact, they will complain if you complain the next time they do it, they say, well, you didn't have a problem last time I did it. Uh, yep. And that's the, that's the very basic psychology I took with me going into the whole COVID uh, stuff is that, uh, you know, once you allow the government to do things that it knows it shouldn't do, uh, that it knows are wrong. Um, I can promise you they're going to do it again. I can oh, absolutely promise you they will do it again. So, and, and you know, I, one of my mutuals, shout out to Jason Bradley, everybody shook. Um, he he writes about this in terms of what, you know, people thought COVID was about. His suggestion is, is that COVID wasn't about selling vaccines at one level. 
it was it was about testing the limits of compliance. I'm I'm willing to agree with that 100. Um, yeah. percent I mean, and and whether it was planned or not, um, right. you know, it, it, opportunistic or not, right? It, like, exactly. Yeah, it, it's 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 literally irrelevant whether it was planned or yeah. not because the fact is, whether it was the local, the state, or the federal level, it happened. Uh, and so you just know the people that got away with it are thinking, well, you know what? Deal with it. Uh, it's like that piece of shit who recently died, uh, Harry Reid, uh, that guy that was in the Senate forever. Uh, yeah. when, when he, when, you know, he lied about, uh, Mitt Romney, which who is another piece of shit. And I don't, uh, you know, who cares? Right. Uh, but when, right before he, he died, like one of his last interviews or something, they asked him, they said, you know, do you regret, uh, you know, lying about uh, Romney or whatever and ruining whatever his chance was in the presidential campaign. Uh, and Harry Reid just laughed and he says, uh, well, it worked, didn't it? Uh, and so that's, that's, that's what people have to get that through their fucking head uh, is that that's what your, even your local politician uh, who probably has no power. Uh, that's what they're all thinking. That's what they think of you. That's what they think of all of us is uh, they don't really care uh, as long as, you know, it worked, got away with it. Um, and so having that at least understanding of real politic uh, right. will, could solve a lot of problems. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, it is that and this, it's funny that you bring that up because this was part of my Slack conversation that I was mentioning earlier um, where, you know, I had a, one of the guys on, on, on the chat was saying, it's like, well, it's really wrong that these politicians don't look out for the interests of all of their constituents. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's really wrong. This is literally what I typed because um, I'm kind of a troll, uh, as he pointed out. Um, it's literally wrong that if I eat cake, I'm going to get fat. It's just like these are just both the things the way that they are, right? Like they're playing like politicians play a team game, right? Like, And, and we all play team games to an extent. And I don't even necessarily blame politicians for 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 playing team games um i think there's a somebody i was listening to was like actually it was you it was your space just now was was talking about how the lamb thinks that the 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 falcon is a bad animal because the the falcon is tearing it apart and eating it right but the falcon's just being a falcon right you can't blame it for being what it is and that's all these politicians are like it's it's the nature uh, of of people who and and what you hope is that the political is that the political systems that you ascribe to help balance out and neutralize the coming up of tyrants and people uh, uh, doing really terrible things right you know people are going to do bad things but we're going to try to minimize that as much as possible by putting in the right structures and, and controls and, and hopefully cooperate in a way that's good enough for enough people. Yeah. I mean, look, on the one hand, what, what that person in the chat said you want, right? You want people to have that, that sense of injustice, right? You want them yes. to say, uh, because that's, that, that's a, that's a very principled moral claim that he's making is like, you know, how, they should do this, right? The, you know, should, should, right? Um, so on the one hand, you want people to have that that approach to things. But on the other hand, uh, you what you don't want, uh, and this is the problem with the left, is you don't want people who are so engrossed 
and the should that they don't even realize the is, right? Uh, I mean, you could you can say something shouldn't happen all day uh, while it's literally happening in front of your eyes, right? Yes. Uh, and so you need people to be aware of uh, some of the most basic elements of human nature. And that seems to be what, for instance, what the left is always getting wrong is that uh, they conflate the should with what they want human nature to really be. Um, that's why they're so emotive uh, about things, so emotional, radically emotional about things. Uh, once you've come to terms with, once you've made peace with the fact uh, that people do have evil in them, right? I mean, they're, they're certainly capable of evil. Uh, once you reconcile yourself to that, uh, politics becomes much more uh, doable. <laughs> it, be, it becomes much more understandable. And good and bad, right and wrong, evil, what have you, it has a point of view. You're, it, it's, it's not just like, like you have two opposing armies or two you know, cities or what have you going to battle, two families in a rivalry. And on one hand, the people who are doing, who are winning or doing the attacking and winning the fight, the, the opposing force is going to call them evil or bad and they're doing us wrong. But the, the people, the people being defended by those attackers think that they're good. And so it's, I, I point that out only because like, I feel like one of the things that people get naively wrong quite a bit is the fact that life is a team game to an extent. And that nobody, if you care about everybody equally, you, you effectively care about nobody. I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, 100%. That's the problem is when you have, um, we call it today humanitarianism, yes. uh, no, knowing no borders, right? Uh, yes. people want to pat themselves on the back for having a, I don't know, a medical degree, uh, and traveling to South Africa to help black babies, uh, yep. as opposed to just staying here in the States, uh, and going, you know, I don't know, down any boulevard in Los Angeles. And so, you know, just setting up shop there. Um, when, when it turns out, I mean, look, this is like that, that famous line, uh, well, I don't know if it's famous, but, uh, that for that, that great, what is it? That, that animated movie, the Incredibles. Uh, mm -hmm. where the bad guy says at the very end, he says, because when everyone's special, no one is. Uh, right. And that's that's what happens. Uh, and that's why I'm very big uh, on things like family uh, and a people, right? Uh, yeah. Because you have to you have to take a pride, uh, not just, you know, for instance, in your own family, but your people. Uh, because when you don't, uh, when you do like, I don't know, Barack Obama was famous for saying this, that, you know, there was nothing exceptional about America. Uh, so let's translate that properly. Uh, in other words, uh, don't be proud of your own people, right? Yeah. Uh, my response would be go fuck yourself. Uh, because <laughs> what happens, uh, what happens when you have a people that doesn't even look in the mirror and say, you know what, uh, I like what I see. Uh, what you have is exactly what we have right now. Uh, you have people looking in the mirror and hating what they see. They hate their own people. Yeah. The West is currently engaged in suicide. Uh, literally, well, not literally. Well, yeah, literally, I would say. Uh, they, they, the West presently hates itself probably worse than its enemies do. 
the same people uh, over in, uh, you know, the goddamn Middle East uh, who would celebrate, uh, you know, cutting our head off with a pocket knife. Uh, they couldn't be happier uh, looking at what America's doing and saying, look at those morons. Uh, they're sitting around uh, hating themselves more than we do. Uh, let's just uh, you know, pull up a chair, sit back, uh, watch uh, someone put some popcorn uh, over the fire, uh, and we'll just have a, have a great time watching them uh, kill themselves uh, because that's what happens when you don't have pride in your people. Um, and it's certainly also what happens at the far more local level when you don't have pride in your own family. Uh, just to be proud of the fact that you know your father is your father. Uh, or your mother is your mother, right? These are mine. These are my people. Uh, I came from them. Uh, we're going in the far opposite direction saying that, you know, the very reason you shouldn't be attached to them is because, uh, you know, they're yours and you're nothing special. There's nothing special about us. Uh, and I punch back at that very hard uh, and say, well, okay, good luck with that approach to world relations, uh, because I can promise you uh, there will be a people who's very proud of themselves uh, and they will happily uh, overtake you, uh, take everything that you love, uh, make sure that every single thing that you think is right will never happen. Uh, and they will end you. Uh, they will they will end everything you love uh, and they will do it with a smile and they'll probably celebrate afterwards. Um, and so that's another thing. People need to get through their fucking heads. Uh, yeah. So, I, yes, <laughs> the. So this brings me to, I'm going to kind of pivot very, very slightly on this to uh, the nature of truth, okay? Because I think this idea that, the, you know, uh, this meme uh, in, in the Dawkins sense of the, the word meme is it, it's a idea that spreads and ideas in combination with each other. You can think of it as like sets of ideas. Like I think the Bible is like a set of ideas, you know, as is, you know, the Quran or um, Hindu teaching or, or whatever. It's like, these are sort of like uh, uh, chords of notes. And, uh, you know, if a meme is a note, then, uh, you know, the Bible is kind of a chord or a symphony, so to speak, and they travel together. And what it seems to have happened is like in the West, we've gotten this idea attached to the Western ideas that these are bad. And that like bad idea keeps the, that association of negativity with this set of ideas keeps people from wanting to spread it. And things, ideas die when they spread, when they don't spread, right? Like it, it's just like any population. So in a way, and this is this is I think I probably got this from Peterson at first, um, where like you can think of ideas and memes just like genes, where they have and, and they use people as their vessels in order to spread. And the ones that spread the most in a particular environment, we can think of as having the highest degree of fitness, right? Because they're very fit for that environment, so they so they multiply, um, and that truth itself is derived from an idea is true when it spreads and people act as if it's true. And when nobody stops believing it, it's not true anymore. So it's, I, I think the thing that you're talking about here is that you literally have this sort of like cancerous idea of, uh, uh, of the immorality of Western thought that is leading its host to try to kill it. 
Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's an awful lot going on there. Um, I mean, I'd have to I'd have to think about it to get to get down into the the particulars there, but um, the way that the way that I would phrase this in philosophy is uh, call it one of those uh, foundational questions, one of the grounding questions. Um, but just saying that alone already provides a kind of answer because this thing that we say grounds something uh, also goes by the name of truth. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, you know, what happens uh, when you, when you don't, I mean, it's weird to even use this because the, the, our language ends up being our biggest obstacle. Uh, but I was going to say what happens when one doesn't subscribe to that. Uh, but then what does it even mean to say one subscribes to something, right? I mean, it's like, uh, well, I would say that you act it out when you subscribe to an idea as true, you, it manifests itself through you. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I would say I, I agree with that, but, but again, uh, there's a lot of moving parts there. I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the, the ways in which, uh, this, appears in an extremely academic setting um so, so yeah i mean i I'd, I'd, I'd have to i'd have to think about this a little bit further um but i do agree though that and this is something that's that's very philosophical uh so for instance plato socrates says and this is something that you see in aristotle as well uh that one doesn't really know something if one's not doing it right yes uh, to say that you know for instance what virtue is if you really know it then it's so convincing to you that you're doing it right uh to say that you know something but you're not doing it means that you really don't know it uh and that's when plato socrates has this rather hilarious line uh which gets very deep uh but he says no one voluntarily chooses to do bad and it's sort of like, well, look at the world around you, man. <laughs> it's like I see people voluntarily. And, and then it gets into a, a, a very much a deeper discussion of free will or, or well, I wouldn't even say free will, but uh, what it means to actually know simply. That's that's the way I like to pose this question of truth is, well, what do we mean when we say we know something? Right. Um, so so in other words, stepping away from the abstraction. Right. Uh, because to say, you know, well, truth uh, or justice or something, you know, stepping away, that, that's an abstraction. So stepping away from that and say, well, well, hold on a second. What exactly do we mean when we say that we know something is true or something? Um, and what you're saying, uh, and again, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with this, is that uh, you know it by your experiential contact with it. Um, you know, how it is that you've experienced it in your own life. But yeah, I don't know. That's 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 as you can tell from my my response here. My the, the little gray cells in my mind are just sort of they're 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 wanting to go on these deep philosophical rants. I don't I don't want to go I don't want to go that deep or anything. Especially well, maybe maybe I'll catch up up with you offline about this, or maybe we'll have another online conversation because this this is kind of a soapbox thing for me. Like, it's like <laughs> for me, it's like this. This I don't think it's the the idea itself doesn't feel overly original but the formulation might be in some way and like you seem like the perfect guy to give feedback on it yeah um, yeah um 
Yeah, let me think about this. We'll and, and we'll talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about this offline. And this 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 could be something that would be a great uh, separate episode, entire episode in itself. Um, but it, yeah, and let me just. I'm going to transition into the trans thing by using it as an example of why I think the trans, like the idea of men being able to become women and women being able to become men, is a a it's it's untrue. Um, in, in a way, and, and I, I mean untrue in a way of why it's immoral. Because if you if you assume that like mo- morality will lead you to truth, and that um, and, and 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 truth is something that will persist through generations, um, if it allows you to, to win the game of life, and so to speak, tr- the trans thing where you're 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 sterilizing people, right? And sterilizing people, you don't have, uh, uh, you don't have more people. <laughs> a population can't sustain itself it is, if it's not multiplying. Um, how do you think? Like, I just, I think I just flubbed that entire transition there. Um, but so, what, what are your thoughts on this entire transgender thing going on with children? Um, and specifically, like, how, why, why and how is, is this being introduced in schools and like this entire level of secrecy? I mean, we just had in California a school board decision to maintain the secrecy and keep this thing from parents and students. What the hell is going on there? Yeah, I mean, this, this is one of my things that I have zero tolerance for uh, the whole issue with with trannies in the first place, I think is just absolutely wrong. Um, these are people with mental disease. Um, it's, it's that simple. Um, and the fact that they're, I don't even know the word I'm, I'm drawing at a loss for how bad I want to describe the behavior of unleashing it upon children is, uh, but this monstrosity of allowing even the discussion of it, among children uh, who don't know anything about it. Uh, They're literally learning it from them. Uh, Put Socrates to death. Uh, The official charge was that he was corrupting the youth. Uh, And how wonderful that would be if we could institute some tough love again in this country uh, by having policies uh, that were that sharp uh, that says, you know, look, Children are the most innocent and the most vulnerable within our society. Uh, if you're going to try to corrupt them, that's going to cost you your life. Uh, I would, I would love to see that. Uh, that would solve a lot of these problems uh, rather quickly. Um, but that's, you know, that's my take on it. So. Life has to get worse for people who want to do bad things. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, what's that that Kevin Costner film where the guy says uh, he says just shoot a few, the rest will leave. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, 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 hold on. I want to make sure. I want to let me be perfectly clear. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, I am by no means advocating violence on this whatsoever. That was an absolute joke. Nobody's advocating violence whatsoever. Right. Although, another joke my father in law likes to say this, this oh, <laughs> they shoot an asshole every day, you'll never get them all. <laughs> That's great. Uh, there's a there's a great line in a in a, a show that I like to watch. Uh, at least the first season of it, I've, I've stopped watching it. I don't really watch TV much. Um, but it's uh, it's from a show called Mister In Between, 
Uh, and he's a guy who's been to prison uh, and he's gotten out uh, and he's got a kid and uh, he's just trying to get his life back in order. So he's sort of in between the right path from having been on the wrong path. Uh, and he has to attend anger management. Uh, and he, uh, he ends up beating the shit out of these two young kids that come, they, they, they just, they bump into his little girl when he's giving her an ice cream, uh, and they laugh about it. And he's like, Hey, watch where you're fucking going. Uh, and you know, they laugh about it and mock him and mock the little girl for losing her ice cream. Uh, so he puts his little girl in the car real quick and goes around the shop and beats the shit out of him. Uh, and he has to answer for that. Uh, and he says, uh, the guy says, you know, do you like hitting people? Is that, is that what's going on? And he says, uh, he says, well, no, not as a general perp, not as a general policy. If I hit someone, I've got a reason for it. Uh, and he says, well, what was your reason for hitting them? And he said, well, they were being assholes. Uh, and the guy says, uh, he says, you know, the world is full of assholes. Uh, and he says, yeah. And you know why? Uh, because people let him get away with it. Uh, he yeah. says, uh, he goes, you stop letting them get away with it. Uh, that'll change. Uh, and he's right. I mean, I think he's absolutely right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I know you've got to get going on Athenian. And I think on that note might be an appropriate ending. Yeah. Yeah. This was great. We've got to do this again sometime. We can, we can actually dive into like one particular topic or something like what you were talking about and really just really tease it out and everything. And I think that'd be great. I've got awesome. I've got another like three quarters half a page of questions for you that we never got to so uh and yeah i i'd really appreciate doing this again this was really awesome um and yeah we'll arrange the spaces so everybody can uh do a little q a after the uh the episode comes out yeah definitely man this will be a lot of fun I, re I really enjoyed this and i really appreciate you having me on and stuff and i would love to do this again and like like you just said uh, like i was suggesting before uh you know let's do a space uh, do a space, talk about it, do a little Q and A about all this stuff and, uh, you know, just see where it goes. Awesome. Appreciate you, brother. Take care. All right. You too.